Yes, welcome to our third and final episode of Extended Clip. My name is Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Bond. I'm JT White. And today we're talking about Crackers, 1984 effort by Louis Mao. And we're going to be talking about Problem Child, 1990 comedy by Dennis Dugan, who you might know from some uh, Adam Sandler flicks. Oh, right on. What Sandler flicks did he do? He did Happy Gilmore. He did Big Daddy. He did Grown Ups 1 and 2. And he did Jack and Jill. Oh, hot damn. So he, he's an and auteur. Yeah. And even more. A seasoned vet. He did more than that, too. He also did, I believe he did The Benchwarmers. Uh, yes, he Rob did do Schneider The Benchwarmers. And, uh, oh, John Heater. John Heater. Yeah, John yeah. Heater and The Benchwarmers. Nick Swartzen. Yeah, too. I watched that one quite a few times at the All Boys sleepovers uh, in <laughs> fifth and sixth grade. It was a lot of fun. That's a formative movie, for sure. I, I remember watching that in daycare, and it's like, it kind of... T- it's definitely a kids movie, but it's definitely like a little more risque than your average kids movie. So you felt like I felt kind of like like a bad kid watching it. Yeah, I honestly didn't get to watch the stuff that made me feel like a bad kid. And it's always been kind of a sore spot for me. So that's why I go after the real edgy stuff now. You know, I'm sorry for bringing it up. I didn't. Yeah, I've always I'm kind of like a problem child myself. I've always been watching. Some, hold some on. Bad hold shit, on. What? What? <laughs> Problem Child is the second film we're going to talk okay. about today. As per usual on the podcast, we try to kind of contrast the high and low brow of cinema. And so today, an icon, a legend of the French New Wave, one of the great art film movements, according to many, Louis <laughs> Mal, coming to America and uh, making a real real piece of work, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, Crackers is a genre film. It's like a, it's a heist comedy. It's not very suspenseful. Yeah, it's based off of there was like an Italian original oh, of this. Mm-hmm. I, I the title is a recurring me. theme on the extended clip podcast is American films based on Italian films, such as Scent of a Woman. True, a real Italian energy. <laughs> this one does not have that Italian energy though. No, it it's does missing not have that spice. True, it's more of a San Francisco treat. Yeah, but <laughs> I got to be honest, Louis Mal does not really look. I only, I've lived in San Francisco for you know three months of my life i'm not one to talk Uh, i have no cred but i feel like he doesn't really do the city a service he has he has a couple nice shots of street signs and uh, a couple times you're overlooking one of the many hills in the city but it doesn't really feel like a san francisco film despite clearly being shot there and just taking place on one block in san francisco yeah you wouldn't find this in the green fog um (laughs) i have (laughs) <laughs> that's for all the what, who directed that again for all the green fog heads out there yeah the canadian <laughs> art house guy. oh wait guy madden, guy madden. Guy madden. oh i guy love madden. guy madden yeah, yeah i haven't seen the green fog though it's it's, yeah. it's all just clips of san francisco movies spliced together to recreate vertigo oh wow yeah N- any crackers i don't think crackers from my distant memory of that movie i don't may, maybe crackers was in but like i don't I would remember hope it. not yeah, I don't think so. To put a stain on Sir Alfred Hitchcock's legacy. Like sure. <laughs> but we're here to talk about a much lesser San Francisco film. As we said, it starts off with a Michael McDonald song over the opening credits. That's who that was. Yes. Okay. Mm. And it's Michael McDonald's kind of in his 80s kind of synthy feel. And then we get synth pop throughout the rest of it. That's That, that synth score is like not that good. I wish it was good. It's no. like two steps away from being pretty good. It's a real bright opening. Like, you know, you're, you're riding around the city, you know, seeing all the stereotypes. And I whatnot. thought I was going to like it. Honestly. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. I, it sets a very leisurely pace mm-hmm. to the film, but it's like, I don't want to be in this, in this shitty world. So it doesn't, I don't know. 
Yeah, it was a weird contrast through the whole movie for me that it has this kind of slow feeling created by Mal. Like, Mal has a really good sense of mise-en-scene. You know, the way he moves actors around in the frame and the way he slowly moves the camera or keeps it still in some instances is really remarkable. And it creates a really nice, somewhat slow style. But the acting style, like, goes against that so just harshly you know it's a really big acting style very you know charismatic but other than the lead in donald sutherland who is very flat and just kind of a bore to watch but it really slows down the film you know i would have been down for this to be a intentionally slow film but i feel like the acting style really compromised that yeah maybe like i don't know maybe it could have took a more zany approach you know i would have like maybe a little more zaniness but Mm -hmm. yeah it just there's something about the pacing that really kind of like it really took me out of the movie by halfway through. I really just kind of lost interest because the even though they're you know it's a heist movie, you know the stakes seem pretty low. I mean they're on the cusp of zaniness yeah, so much in true. like the first half of the film that like it finally happens at the end when they like uh, break through that wall and see just uh, Wallace Shawn yeah. cooking and like they have that uh, safe cracking uh, guy. Um, oh, he's mm-hmm. a kooky character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So That's they have true. some like they have some goofiness, but I feel like it happens too late and is just like disjointed from the film. Well, mm-hmm. we should be clear about what this film is about. We haven't talked about it. We have to talk. And no about one, it. no one has seen this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Louis Mal is pretty popular. This is, I think, his thirteenth most popular film on Letterboxd, something like that. And nobody I follow has even watched Same. it or logged it. I guess. But this is a movie about a couple of guys hanging out at a pawn shop and they decide they want to uh they want to knock the place over i guess you could say and our main character donald sutherland he watches the place while they close down he's like the security guard but the owner played by jack warden wants to get a little security system so he doesn't have to hire this guy and installing that security system we get sean penn a young sean penn let me tell you folks he looks good (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely in his, uh, like, you know, I'm getting, like, surfer feelings from him. He's he's definitely, like, it feels like a riff off that high school movie he's famous for being in. Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's that vibe, but it does not belong in this movie at all. It's very strange. Yeah. Him and his cohort, their scenes are just so out of this world and uh, really just don't fit in the movie at all. And they're kind of funny in a vacuum once in a while. He's at least the most entertaining character to watch, Sean Penn's character, but it really doesn't do anything. So those guys are trying also to knock off the place. They're going to install a faulty alarm system, you know, so that they can rob it. And who else wants to rob it but a young African-American named Boardwalk? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> is that his name? I didn't. That's his name in Dang. the movie, yeah. His name is Boardwalk, and he has a baby by way of local sex worker, and uh, he just, like, carries around the baby the whole time, and that's kind of funny, I guess, but I gotta be honest, that that character came off very crude. I don't yeah. know. The characterization yeah. came, at least came off very, like, Louis Mao is a little late, at least, to be doing, like, a riff on black exploitation stuff, you know? It's already 1984, and I don't really know what he's going for with this character i mean it just like i mean it just came across as like mostly racist there was a part where i feel like his connection uh to the woman who's cleaning the who's his love interest character's name 
but Jasmine. Jasmine, Jasmine, yes, or that's her fake she, name. Yeah, that she is has her a fake, fake name. name. Yeah, 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 and she reveals her real name. But we only heard her fake name once. But, so. Yeah, I remember. But but there's a point there where Boardwalk and his relationship with Jasmine like like approaches like something like sincere, and I feel like there were moments of that in the film where you got like sort of a genuine like slow moments that were like meaningful and interesting but there just weren't enough of them to like make the like shitty boring strange parts like oh no sort of account for those yeah i liked the little moments of boardwalk with his son like when they chose to have him do something other than just carry his son in my notes, one after the other, I wrote, baby has to poo-poo pee-pee, and this shit is so slow, which probably means that I saw one of those nice scenes and liked it, and then I realized that five minutes later, we were still in the next scene, and that was just nothing. You know, Donald Sutherland doing a somewhat realist-style performance versus half of the other characters off-the-wall kind of zany performances. Really just boring shit from Donald Sutherland. I don't know. Okay, um, connecting the two films, Boardwalk's baby is the problem child of the Crackers universe. That's that's true. That is true. He is going to grow <laughs> up to be a problem child. Also, you know, speaking of like kind of like maybe like the racism in the depiction of the black character or just is like, I feel like this movie might have something to say about race or I'm, I'm not sure. There's It's trying it's to. It's trying to like, I noticed there's like small details of like uh even like swastikas like carved yeah. into there's a white power graffiti. graffiti at one point too yeah so i'm like i'm trying to connect the dots and like you know and i i don't know how long mal had been in the states by this point um i know at, he at least had been there since 1980 and this is 1984 so yeah. he's still kind of getting used to it and like trying to make it's the classic example honestly of a european director coming over here and trying to make a film about american race relations martin mcdonough with fucking <laughs> uh, three billboards i mean come on yeah and there's a couple others that i had in that canon that i'm forgetting right now honestly a similar race american conf- honey yeah. by uh, andrea arnold who yeah. i probably would like her other films but that one really did not mm-hmm. do it for me Honestly, like a similar racial confusion, I feel, from like three billboards and crackers, just like the disconnectedness of it all. Yeah. It it feels very similar. And both very bad at doing just like the mechanics of genre filmmaking. Oh, yeah. Crackers, it kind of picks up the pace in the last 30 minutes when they're actually doing the heist. But in a 90 minute heist movie, the first 60 minutes in this case are just torturous i don't know man it i'm surprised by how good it got towards the end and the images were nice like the whole time mal has a really good eye and especially when he's in alleyways yeah and like side streets that have buildings on each end you know he's really good with those kind of vertical planes on this each side of the frame and it keeps it interesting enough despite the actual genre film the comedy and the heist being so poorly executed yeah, one of the more interesting scenes to me, I feel like, was when Sean Penn starts to follow and kind of stalk that uh, the sister of his friend. Yeah. You see him watch her, you know, go into the house, and then he goes even further and watches her, like, you know, gets even closer. And there's kind of like a, a nice rhythm to the images and how they're paired together that felt really satisfying. Yeah, it's the content of the scene is a little creepy, but <laughs> yeah. it's executed really well. It's, a, you know, like fellow san francisco film vertigo it's a good Mm -hmm. ass stalking scene yeah (laughs) true and you get plenty of those that's not the only that's true only one 
so there's also a character we have not introduced, Maxine. The uh, oh. I guess she's a meter maid. Oh. She oh, gives yeah. out parking tickets. Yeah. And she is the horniest character we've seen since Slade, uh, Al Pacino, in Scent of a Woman. Yeah. <laughs> she just grabs every man she sees by, like, as one auteur would say, the brown taint area. <laughs> uh, and like all the guys make funny faces because she's like grabbing their asshole and taint. And it's really weird. Yeah. And she does, it's not like playful. She's fucking most of them yeah. too. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm surprised that that was like, I mean, it, it was like sort of a neat aspect to the film because she's with like, <laughs> I don't know. I think like she's kind of with Sutherland. And I think like it approaches something like, about Polly, yeah, I like in that respect, like because I feel like the film is trying to do a lot of stuff like that, like. But it's I think class there. is like another issue because they're all like sort yeah. of like living in this poor, broken down neighborhood, and like yeah, Wallace, Wallace Shawn is literally a bum. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Wallace Shawn's character is named Turtle, and he's just kind of that. He doesn't really. He's not integral to the heist plot, but he is there in every scene and he's very poor and eats everything he can find. But I feel like it's like in relationship to like the sort of poly nature of the meter maid. I think like it's trying to tackle like a weird like 50s style Mm -hmm. idea of a bohemian American lifestyle, but Mm -hmm. it just doesn't play because it's like it's I don't know. It's the 80s. Yeah, so there are two scenes involving sex that I have to talk about. So the first one is the incredibly corny scene in which Donald Sutherland uh, makes love to Maxine by, like, they act out a penthouse letter. Yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah. And played for, con- it's like, I admire what Mal's trying to do. He plays it in, like, a medium, like, a, a two-shot. Yeah. And just, like, a still two-shot goes on for, you know, maybe two minutes or so. <laughs> but, man, is that hard to watch and not in a fun way. And then the other thing is Boardwalk when uh, Jasmine, you know, reveals her real name and, you know, she gets to that point because he doesn't want her to walk the streets as a sex worker. And uh, yeah, he breaks it down in a very bad way where he says that she's too smart and too pretty to do oh, sex yeah. work. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, man, it's, you know, it's rough out there. But the, the other option is being uh, a heist person <laughs> a theft a thief <laughs> a cracker that's the word. Yeah, yeah a cracker yeah a crack. safe cracker that's yeah. where they get the origin of the name uh they crack safes and uh turtle while sean is eating crackers the whole time mm-hmm. you know uh going back to the the sex scene between donald sutherland and maxine like that's like the 80s version of like a reddit couple i feel like just doing some like some shit they found online. Some yeah. real sex nerd stuff. Sex nerd. Yeah, some real... Yeah. There's like another scene with sex, though. There's, There's a, more of Where one. Maxine yeah. is like... Where they're on top... All the fellas are on oh. top of the roof. Oh, yeah. And How like peer down. And that's... Because that one is like... They're people. Borderline... Well, I mean, like, she is like borderline non-consensual Oh, with yeah. That guy. She's yeah. getting at this like young, I don't know, entrepreneur. I guess yeah. he's like a tech a hustler. guy. hustler. Yeah. Uh, he's like in a suit. I forgot what he was doing. I he's just he, a bunch of like he's like phallic lights and tubes yeah. just gyrating Weird around. sex machine. Yeah, he yeah. does have a weird sex machine that he says is like a play of space and light or something like that. And uh, all the guys are trying to use that apartment to get into the back entrance of the pawn shop so they can rob it. So they just watch her quote unquote seduce the young man, but it's, it's sexual assault. It's like really bad and they're all watching it. And boardwalk talks about how he's a little stiff, uh, but then plays (laughs) it off like his legs are stiff, you know, he doesn't have an erection. Yeah. It's kind of weird to just have that scene. And then they're, you know, they're all watching it. It's like, you know, I'm pretty hard right now. 
but no, I'm at my leg. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's they know what they're doing. Yeah. Why beat around the bush? Just like talking about the movie, it sounds so much more interesting True, than yeah. like yeah. it wound up being. Like there are a lot of things that happen in this, but at the same time, it just like none of it is appealing. The whole is much, much less than the sum of its parts. Like, uh, is that how the phrase would go? The inverse of what people usually say? I think so. Because there's it. a lot yeah. of cool ass aspects. I mean, to go back to Sean Penn, so he wants to buy back his guitar at the pawn shop initially that's what brings him in there and he just shreds 24 7 there's three (laughs) different scenes of him grabbing a guitar and shredding and one scene of him grabbing a harmonica and shredding oh which was very cool he he really goes at it you know (laughs) yeah there's a good podcasting scene too so donald sutherland wants to make a tape of like the ambient sounds of what should be happening at like a party right yeah i think to cover up the heist yeah so he's doing like some foley work and he's just talking into the mic like he's having a conversation and he plays a record and it's kind of fun you know it's it's pretty cool and he like eats right into the mic which is cool so anyway they do the heist jack warden comes back a little early and he's really sad because he went away because his mom was dying and he came back and now his mom's dead and his friends are trying to rob his store but they like cover it up well enough, kind of, but it's kind of a mutual understanding. Yeah. And he's just wasted anyway. And the cops come in, but he tells them to go away. It's a really flat ending, I got to say. For yeah. it being something of a twist ending, it's very flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sentiment is there, but like, yeah, the ending's flat. And I feel like this whole movie just doesn't really have like a pulse to it. Like, it's a lot of like good parts, but it doesn't really operate as like a whole vehicle or whatever. I do like that. The end scene has all of them sitting around a big salmon, eating it by hand. (laughs) Yeah, that is good. I guess this one was a real dud, though. Yeah, this sucked, and we can't even talk about it because it sucks too much. Uh, But not even in a fun (laughs) way. It's like Scent of a Woman, I think we gave a lower score to. But now I want to give this an even lower score. Now that I talk about it more, it's fucking so dumb and pointless. I had such a better time with Scent of a Woman. Holy shit, yeah. It like worked uh, like it was a movie and this is just a bunch of dis- disjointed pieces it's yeah not- especially after i watched this immediately after watching our second film problem child which was so just filled me with joy you know yeah. and this was a harsh come down man mm-hmm. really harsh to my mellow <laughs> so uh what what are we giving uh crackers on a scale of one to five i'm, I'm, I'm downgrading my two to a one. Ooh, i i have it one and a half at the old l boxed so i'm gonna go with that um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bump mine. I had two and a half originally. I'm gonna go down to two. I'm <laughs> glad to be a tastemaker like this. Yeah. <laughs> there are crackers, and with a combination like that, nobody's safe is safe. And we're back on extended clip, and we were talking about a pretty shitty film called Crackers. But you know what else sucks? Anima, the new Paul Thomas Anderson one reeler for Tom York and Netflix. Uh, we just watched this film, and let me tell you folks, as a big fan of Paul Thomas Anderson, this is probably my least favorite work of his. You guys see anything else lately? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to touch on the anima note, uh, felt like an anima, if you ask me. Uh, but <laughs> I don't no, get it, actually. It was an unpleasant experience. No, uh, but what is that? like? What did you say? An enema? Oh, like enema of state by Blink-182. Yes, that's 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 another way you could go with it. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, not particularly interesting. Yeah, I also watched the Dead Don't Die this week. The oh yeah, Jim Jarmusch picture. I yeah, liked you it quite good, a bit. You have good takes on that. 
Yeah, I I thought it was fucking great, man. Jim Jarmusch is so good at filming people driving their cars. Look, it's a it's a little cinematic fetish of mine. What Edward Said called late style. You know, he wasn't talking about cinema. He was talking about you know dusty ass classical music or whatever. But the dead don't die is Jim Jarmusch pushing himself to the extremes, just throwing in RZA in a Woo PS van unabashed Iggy Pop and Sturgill Simpson fetishization you know he is just doing him and he's so old and honestly kind of out of touch with the way that young people talk it's not there at all but it's also his own idiosyncratic world of dialogue that's a different style of talking you know and his form is as good as ever honestly it it doesn't you know have the the money shots that he used to have with Robbie Mueller but Mm. it's the, the camera movement the framing it's there man it's really good I was very happy to see a movie that slow uh, in the multiplex with people laughing in the movie theater, too. Yeah, I had a good uh, audience for that as well. There were like a lot of people cracking up. And I did think like uh, for me, the biggest laugh was the them checking out the body each of the three times. Oh, and yeah. The, the individual shock. That was I think in the theater got the biggest laugh, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're a you're a Jim Jarmusch fan, right, Malcolm? Yeah, I'm, I still haven't seen it yet. Um, I'm gonna see it. You know, gonna pay for a ticket, all that. Nice. But uh, you know, speaking of directors in late style with heavily stylized dialogue, I watched James L. Brooks' most recent effort. How do you know? Oh wow! How do you know? How do I know? Well, I know because I watched the movie. And well, how do you know? How good <laughs> is it? <laughs> I know because I'm, I'm a real smart guy. Well, I mean, how good is it? Yeah, how good is it? Yeah. Um, it's it's good. It's really good. And I was kind of expecting it just for like the cover. It looked like real standard rom-com fare, which I'm not opposed to. But for some reason, I just had lowered expectations of it. But I don't know. It's just it's really good to see like really well written dialogue delivered very well. I mean, there's not there's nothing too much complex about the movie, but it has that aspect going for it and just like you've brought this up before but like the the competency of how how do you know is just compared to like you know a standard rom-com that gets dropped off on netflix Mm -hmm. is just it's leagues ahead and speaking of late style it's also jack nicholson's most recent movie that he started oh wow wow. and uh he (laughs) uh, that's my one criticism of the movie it seems like james l brooks was really excited to write for jack nicholson and it's it's it like, yeah. yeah, it shows really in kind of like an embarrassing, almost <laughs> fanboyish way. But yeah, it's, it's, there's not, you know, it's your classic love triangle between Paul Rudd and Owen Wilson. Paul Rudd's a corporate shell. Owen Wilson's a, a jock. He's an MLB player. And uh, Reese is a, a softball player, I think. And yeah, it's Owen Wilson in jock mode is great. It's great oh, it to see. fantastic. Yeah, just him being like a, a carefree, like, you know jock just you know i'm just here for a good time you know (laughs) so it's good to see owen having fun on screen you know see all the actors you love do a good job so you know go see how do you know nice theaters theaters now now. uh not in theaters but new releases i also checked out two vod releases this week uh netflix's murder mystery starring adam sandler i gotta watch that it was quite good i gotta tell you guys it was I don't want to even say competently directed by the workaholics <laughs> guy, Kyle Newichek. It's it's better than you would expect for Netflix. It's not as handheld as you would expect. And there's some moments of style that aren't annoying. 
but really it's just Sandler in dad mode and I love that so much I just the chilled out vacation Sandler is a very good one and I feel like I would even like Grown Ups now if I went back and watched it again Grown Ups too rewatch it see i I hated it when i was Mm -hmm. younger but i've really grown to this like very chilled out sandler Mm -hmm. uh who still goes big here and there you know yeah but aniston is quite fun in it too you know it's a really fun movie Oh shit! We have the baby book for Problem Child. Oh. Let's. Uh, there are plenty of baby books in Problem Child. There was the big name one at the beginning. Yeah. Or. Uh, There's a lot of books in Problem Child. So we're talking about Problem Child, 1990 Dennis Dugan film. Uh, there are a lot of books in that movie. There are some baby books. There is The Exorcist being read at one point. That's how fucking fucked up this kid is you know yeah. uh it's it's a really funny movie uh malcolm brought this one to us malcolm why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about it well problem child came at a time when kids were at their most unruliest you know it's the 90s uh they're getting introduced to rap music and skating and gaming and gaming oh don't, the future you know it awaits imagine if the problem child had gaming in this movie but uh oh, well anyways the plot of problem child is that Junior is ever since he was born has been a problem and people have been trying to get rid of him, you know, put him up for adoption. And he ends up in a nun house orphanage run by nuns or penguins, as he likes to call them. And John Ritter and his wife, Amy Aspect, that's the actress's name. I don't remember their real names in the movie. The character's name is like Flo. 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 Yeah. Can't remember Ritter's name. Yeah. I got to say right away, that is the probably the one glaring weakness oh, of the film yeah. is the yeah. treatment of Flo, Flo and really just the characterization of Flo. She has really nothing to do but complain mm-hmm. and like be a social climber and manipulator. And it's mm-hmm. like, why is John Ritter even there then? You know, yeah. there, there's really nothing positive there about that character. I mean, like I would have bought into it a little more if there were any other substantial like female character, but she is mm-hmm. the whole of femininity in yeah. that film and the nuns. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, oh. the nun with the yeah. big mole. Yeah. Yeah. Classic hijinks. The whore and the saint. Yeah. There are quite a bit of hijinks in uh, the nun orphanage. You know, he throws some sloppy ass food up on the ceiling and it lands on a nun's face. Uh, he, does he torture a cat there too? No. No, no, because they said they already said that he loved cats before he went to the family that takes him in. Yeah. Maybe he had a past experience with cats. No, in one in the early montage, he has like he fucks with a cat. Oh, Oh, okay. So, yeah, this family is like desperate to take in a child because uh, John Ritter, you know, he works at an athletic store that his dad owns. And his dad's like this super right wing guy who's uh, a small businessman running for mayor and uh played by jack warden yeah jack warden and crackers yes and he is so good in this he is Mm -hmm. just chewing up the scenery just going all in for dennis dugan you know i gotta say dennis dugan's really good at getting those types of performances out of people you know all the character actors in those sandler movies like happy gilmore and then in this movie too all the characters that just pop in for a scene are pretty funny rascal you you followed my advice and took your sperm to somebody who knows what to do with it, huh? <laughs> a surrogate mother. Listen, tell me something. You make out with a cup or you get to bump a real live one? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, 
uh, like, you know, Gofried, who's not in the movie that much, yeah. kind of doing his act, but like gets the most out of him. And uh, I mean, Michael Richards. Oh, God. Amazing. Yeah. Phenomenal. <laughs> we have to talk about Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael Richards is like the bad guy that the problem child uh, junior attaches himself to. He sees him on the news as the bow tie killer. And he says that he's misunderstood. No one understands him. And the problem child, Junior, says, hey, that's me. Mm-hmm. So he writes to him in prison. And that eventually leads the bowtie killer to escape prison and come crash the house. Yeah, because he thinks uh, Junior is an older man, Jr. Yes. And uh, they, they can commit crimes together. Yeah, it's, you know, he was real excited to go across <laughs> country just to, you know, meet this man so he could commit some crimes with him. But yeah. <laughs> And before they even take in the child, it's set up that uh, John Ritter's character is already the Little League baseball coach, which I think is kind of weird, right? Because the coach is always someone's dad. Yeah, exactly. John Ritter is the most cucked man in this entire film. And it's, I mean, like the whole journey, like we said, off pod uh, is him (laughs) sort of, he, he escapes that. Yeah, it's him. It's him. What do you call it? His child and Michael Richards character have already learned to be kind of self-reliant and reject the world's, you know, tricks. But uh, that's something John Ritter has to learn, you know, yeah, to throughout become this a movie. free man, he become a free to, man to throw off the shackles of, you know, him living in the shadow of, you know, his daddy. He can't be a daddy's boy anymore. He was really everything that a dad could be except having a son. He was just a lame dad with a kid who's 12 already, but he didn't have a kid, you know, and he was coaching the Little League team, which I do have to say the Braves and the Chieftains are the only two Little League teams in the town. And those are both gesturing towards racism, towards Native Americans. Yeah. But you know what? That's all part of sports culture. You know, uh, the Indians were the team in Major League. You know, that's all part of cinematic baseball, I guess. I don't know. True. And there's a scene where uh, J.R. or Junior... Um, kind of dismantles the whole baseball team and the, so good and the rules of baseball oh. so it's kind of like with both of the team names being racist characters it's a real kind of takedown of sports culture that's true he is dismantling it yeah oh. we should say like we're going to talk about a lot of hijinks here the movie really is they adopt the kid he ca- causes hijinks for 60 minutes and then michael richards shows up at the house for 15 minutes and there's like a chase scene it's an 80 minute movie it's so good because it's literally all what we talked about in previous episodes, the promise of the premise. This whole movie is fun and games, you know? So, yeah, it's a bunch of hijinks. The baseball set piece is one of my favorites. Also, very good driving scene. Uh, Junior gets into his dad's car and uh, is, like, laying down on the seat so he can reach the pedals and can't see it all and it's a very funny driving scene with his dad hanging from the uh, windshield oh and then there's another good one in the climax where when the problem child and ritter are finally able to to make peace with one another yeah it's really good um (laughs) um Sorry, they're laughing because we're preparing a segment here we have a lot of production design here in the jean-luc godard chris kyle studios so what you're going to hear right now, surprise bitches, it's a little segment called Pizza Prank. Pizza Party, Pizza Gate segment. It's it's all yeah. You guys can keep talking. I'm just going to order yeah. a pizza. Okay, okay. Let's let's think about things about problem child. Oh, goodness. Where where to start? I I think one aspect that gets me, I've watched I, this movie I'd like to twice. Place an order for delivery, please. I watched this movie twice now in like a matter of a month and 818? like 818. <laughs> and the fact 
keep going. Yes. Yeah, I know. You've watched yeah, this movie should, twice. I've watched this movie twice. And the fact Eddie? that everyone in the movie hates adoption or is so adverse to the idea of adoption just is, really tickles my funny bone. Oh, yeah. This is the funniest thing. They yeah. see like adoption as dirty. Yeah. I mean, it's like a neat... Like, there are cool class things going on with Problem Child mm-hmm. uh, that I think are like worth... N- I mean, like it's pretty surface level but it's like fun and i'm on board with it uh mm-hmm. can i have two yeah, medium and, pizzas um one what do you call it though the wife with flow. pepperoni and onion i thought it was particularly funny when she you know she doesn't do secondhand shopping which she compares adoption actually could you shopping. make those large pizzas, and there's please? another sh- she actually gets convinced by the, adoption that's gonna be yeah, it, though. because it's shopping yeah if 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 Crackers was our racist movie of the week, Problem Child might be our it's misogynist be movie of the week. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's secretly how we've been pairing our movies, <laughs> is we do one racist one and one misogynist one. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, and this one, you know, this one, you know, I mean, you could argue maybe great. that the Thank misogyny in this movie is made more harmful than an episode of South Park. Because <laughs> coming in hot. Because uh, and that concludes our famous segment, pizza prank. <laughs> uh, we fucking got them, dude. They're oh, they're yeah. taking a pizza to some random ass house. I don't know. And because this this is you know integrating this is a pro fathers movie. There was a lot of in the '90s and early 2000s. There's a lot of children's movies that are like fathers rule. Fathers are the best. Mm-hmm. They're better than your mother. Your mother's trying to get you. And this falls into that canon. Kind of like with the Santa Claus, Tim Allen. Oh yeah, know, anti anti mother movie. And this like it like because I was good, I was ready to give this movie like four stars. Yeah, but then they just do not stop beating. It really goes beating hard on her at the end. Oh my god! And so just, at the end, yeah, she ends up just face to the balls of a pig, just in the back of a truck. It's rough, man. She yeah. she really takes a beating. Yeah, and this movie's a pretty. It's a kids movie, right? But it's. It you know it has some jokes in there that you know maybe you think might an adult might have written because <laughs> there's a good bit of like sex stuff and yeah things. definitely well yeah there's literally one of the there's they a have sex, sex they have sex in the movie yeah <laughs> Michael Richards what? has sex with Flo in the movie yeah. it's crazy cucking John Ritter I thought this was supposed to be our honeymoon you said you loved me you called me a little cumquat. This is our honeymoon, you moron. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hate yeah. to see it. Ritter got cucked by Kramer, and that's, you really do hate to see it. And I mean, that's ultimately what red pills him then. Is yeah. He, is the act of being cucked. True. This is problem child and John Ritter, they're just men on their own way, going <laughs> their own way. Yeah. So also we should say John Ritter uh, sabotages his dad's campaign on TV. Yeah. Uh, that's like right before he saves junior from michael richards after richards kidnaps him and his wife uh it is really funny though when john ritter finds out that his wife and child have been kidnapped and he's yeah, just he's chilling just so fucking take happy. my wife please yeah you know? he he chills hard for like 12 hours maybe yeah and then he sees a drawing that junior did of him yeah. but it's really nice you know he rescues him and he says that he doesn't need to be a good boy he's just gonna love him anyway Mm -hmm. and the mom is on a truck going somewhere else just (laughs) fucking get rid of her it's messed up it's so mean to the mom jesus christ yeah and it's like there's a couple of scenes where like even like the shopping where he like convincing convinces her to like adopt because of shopping like that's that's still kind of funny but like it, it like it really just goes like it really pushes that button very like 
hard to the point where I'm like, all right, like this is this is a bit much. I mean, once it <laughs> it veers into like her in a suitcase, like just being physically beaten many yeah. many times, and John Ritter's just sort of cool with it. Yeah, like the whole film is just John Ritter teetering on the edge of being a weird left Twitter guy or like going far alt right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he also reminded me weirdly of Pete Holmes in this movie, which yeah. did make me uncomfortable <laughs> when he did that. Yeah, shout out to Crashing, one of the worst shows. Oh my god, HBO is like really bad in general, but Crashing is like. Of the ones I've sampled, the worst, probably. Anyway, uh, back to a good piece of art, Problem Child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the antics are just really fun. I don't know. There's the scene where he ruins a young girl's birthday party. Uh, mm-hmm. To Leslie Gore's It's My Party. It's yeah. great. Yeah. It's such a fun fucking scene, and there's like actual destruction going on. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's, he's going all out. There's a lot of physical comedy set pieces with collapsing sets and ex- mini explosions kind of it's it's quite a bit of fun here yeah you know? so much shit gets broken in this especially when the problem child uh drives uh straight into his the dad's uh like sports emporium oh, at the yeah. end the like big tennis balls that fall down on the car destroy so fucking mm-hmm. cool yeah the destroying a sports equipment store is awesome that's like yeah we talked previously about how the car chase is always my favorite scene in a movie and this was no exception uh there are two car chases here and both of them filled me with glee it was just a delight absolutely Mm -hmm. and thinking about dugan as a director um i'm just thinking here you know there's kind of a motif you know kind of of uh poking fun at sports emporiums with al pacino's character and jack and jill it's really Uh both him and jack warden are kind of displayed as you know kind of caricatures of themselves real don't take mother's garbage blood for all you know his parents may have met in a loony bin they might even be democrats you know not honorable guys guys. Yeah. yeah big annoying you know flashy you know pomp and fliff type people but uh so i wonder if he has an issue there maybe he's and he might be anti-sports he might be a sports ball type guy that is true he could be because he's Especially, you know, he made Happy Gilmore, which is oh. all about how golf is for fucking snobs and how a real guy plays hockey, comes in, messes it all up. You know, you could look at it that way, or you could just look at the only sensible guy, Happy Gilmore, is just destructing an institution, you know, mm-hmm. and it's worthy of being destructed. This was a pre-Tiger Woods golf movie, you know. <laughs> golf was a very white thing. It still is, obviously, but it was much more white back in the days of Happy Gilmore. So yeah, it ends with a really good chase scene and dad gets his kid back and it's really nice and he wears a hat that says Super Dad. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Problem Child's a great movie. You should watch it. Mm-hmm. And you should aspire to be like the problem child in this world full of fakes. Yeah. You uh, just need to embrace anarchy. Mm-hmm. Just fuck the shit up and yeah. kick a bunch of people in the nuts because yeah. it's cool and funny. So mm-hmm. can we all agree that we are all problem children? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of Big course. fans of this movie? Yeah. All right, good. Well, uh, we'll see you next week, I guess. Uh, I'm at iPod Video. At Bitchface Palace. At Tallboy Thin Legs. And we're all on Letterboxd, and the Twitter is at Extended Clip 69 for the podcast itself. We also have Extended Clip Podcast at gmail.com. If you ever want to uh, you know, slide in the DMs, but not on Twitter. Yeah, send us hate mail, please. Business inquiries. I would actually like a formal critique of the podcast. Uh, so anyone who's down to do that, you know, no holds barred. Uh, Lights, no- camera, reach out, please. Yeah. This actually, we should make an announcement now. So previously, our official Twitter account for the podcast followed three people. Uh, myself, JT, and Malcolm. Mm-hmm. 
I did follow a fourth this week in an effort to get Lights Camera Jackson to come on the show. Mm-hmm. He is a member of the Extended Clip Plot podcast. He is the fourth Mike. We're just waiting for him. I think when he finally gets on, we can end a pod. We've achieved yeah. what we need to do. Yeah, I mean, he's really... When I hold this mic, I feel like his presence hovers around us, kind of creates like a vortex of some sort. And to honor his groundbreaking work reviewing Booksmart, we are going to end this episode with a little moment of silence. All right, see you next week.